All right, welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool. I'm Justin. And I'm John. Very excited about today's episode for a number of different reasons. One, we get to talk golf. Which is something that you I'm very are passionate very passionate about. about. Me, uh, I mean, I enjoy it. You've played a couple times. But I've played mo- a few times. more importantly, we are leaping into the 21st century and doing a little uh, video podcasting today. So, uh, sorry for the way we look. Um, this is just how we were born in our faces. So um, this should be fun, though, right? Oh, yeah. This is this is going to be very exciting. I think this is going to be something we're going to be doing going forward, uh, especially where applicable. So especially some of the tasting episodes that we've had with a lot of that, you'll actually be able to see the interaction between us and our guests. And yeah, it should be good. Two questions here. Well, two things really before we get into the episode. Number one, what's what are you what are you how are you going to approach this as far as video etiquette? Are you going to look at me a lot? Or are you going to look at the, the the camera a lot? What are you going to do? I think I'm probably going to do a little bit of both. I was already looking at the camera, and then now I'm going to be looking at you too. So I I honestly have no idea. I was actually thinking about that that today. I was like, do I do I look at the camera? Do I just focus on you and just pretend it's not there, like breaking the fourth wall kind of thing? And yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just going to wing it and figure it out, and hopefully. Leave some comments and say what you like. Do you like me staring you in the face or not? Also got to give a shout out to our audio and video engineer aficionado, Justin Sywell. Thank you. Thank he's you. He's telling us no. He's giving us the no. He's saying, we're going to we're gonna thank you anyway because uh, this is pretty awesome, the setup that you've got kind of designed for us here. We'll maybe take some pictures and post it on the socials. Anyway. Absolutely. Into the episode. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a little bit of a full nerd, nerd facts, talk about the PGA Championship, the actual um, organization. But then we're also going to get into talking about um, comparing two of our favorite Obviously, golf gotta, films. We got to talk time. about movies. So we're going to talk about some some golf films. Well, let's get into the PGA Championship first, a little bit of information about it. First of all, it's referred to as the U.S. PGA Championship or the U.S. PGA, uh, if you're outside the U.S., and it's an annual golf tournament conducted by the Professional Golfers Association of America. And it is one of the four major championships in professional golf. If you didn't know, there are all actual three other majors. Did you know this? Oh, yes, I knew this. All right. We got the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. The Open Championship, that's the... Uh, that's the British. The British one. Um, the Players Championship for the next five years. And, are, and if, basically, if you win, if you are invited to attend any of these three majors and play in any of these three majors um if you and the players championship for the next five years if you win it and you can also attend the you you are actually eligible to play in the pga championship for life so if you play in any of those other three you can play in the pga if you're a pga you champion you get to play in all three of those for five years and right. also the pga championship for life got it okay. i said that really poorly but no it's fine i just wanted to we I got to understand we got so, to the, we got to the punchline eventually. Yeah, and I think you 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 mentioned that. So they receive yeah. membership on the PGA Tour for five seasons and on the European Tour for seven. Here's something I learned: that if you didn't know this, the PGA Championship is actually the only one that is exclusively for professional players. The other ones allow amateurs. Yeah, you know, like the U.S. Open. Typically, US Open. you see a lot of amateurs in there. They can't. Well, well, you always see the A next to their name. Well, same thing with Masters too, and they always like basically talk about who and the and the Open as well. But they always recognize the high amateur scores in all those tournaments. Mm-hmm. But they don't do it in this one because there aren't any. Hmm. So the the winner <laughs> receives the Wanamaker Trophy, named after businessman and golfer Rodman Wanamaker, which stands two and a half feet tall and weighs twenty seven pounds. That's a big, big old That's sucker. A big trophy, not as big as Stanley Cup, but yeah, well. There's not many trophies that are that. No. Almost as heavy, though. Hard in stature. The trophy was lost briefly for a few years until it showed up in 1930 
in the cellar of L.A. Young and Company. Ironically, this cellar was in the factory which made the clubs for the man responsible for losing it, Walter Hagen. Hagen claimed to have trusted a taxi driver with the precious cargo, but it never returned to his hotel. Everything about that story and the fact that it's Walter Hagen, just based on films I've seen and a little bit of I read about him. Uh, yep. He seems like he... He, he seems like he would lose that. He went hard. <laughs> there, There's a smaller replica trophy that the champion gets to keep permanently, but the original, after a year, gets returned um, for the new tournament champion. That's cool. I like that. I mean, it's kind of like the Stanley Cup, I guess, except for I don't think you get a replica Stanley Cup you, trophy. You don't. I mean, I got a replica over there, but it's just well, it's about that tall, and I had, I had to pay for it, and I didn't win it. I don't think the players get one. No, well. they don't. They get a ring, so that's good enough. That's pretty cool, too. All right, a little bit of history. In nineteen eighty, I'm sorry, in eighteen ninety four, with forty one golf courses operating in the U.S., two unofficial national championships for amateur golfers were organized, and one was held at Newport Country Club in Rhode Island, and the other at St Andrews Golf Club in New York. And we're kind of giving you this background of the history. Is that, well, I mean, it's kind of interesting to like learn how this PGA Championship and really just the PGA organization came about. Right. Uh, in addition, at the same time. As the amateur event, St. Andrews conducted an open championship for professional golfers. None of the championships was officially sanctioned by the governing body for American golf, causing considerable controversy among players and organizers. Yeah, so in the same year, basically this led to the formation of the the USGA, the United States Golf Association, which is the first formal golf organization in the country and still the the big daddy of them all. The big daddy. But then also in February 1916, the Professional Golfers Association of America, the PGA, was established in New York City. So you got the USGA and the PGA. Now here's where we kind of get our Wanamaker person. Uh, one, month, one month before that, the wealthy department store owner, Rodman Wanamaker... I mean, is there, is there a better like early nineteen, early 20th century, like 1900s, 1920s last name? Rockefeller. That's what I mean. It sounds like that. <laughs> anyway, uh, the host of a luncheon with leading golf professionals of the day at the uh, W-Y-K-A-G-Y-L. Y-Kagel? Y-Kagel Country Club in nearby Rochelle. New Rochelle. New Rochelle. Sorry. Not, not just Rochelle. The new one. And it was dubbed the formal organization of the PGA. New Rochelle. Name that movie. I don't know. What is it? Catch me if you can. Oh, shit. What a... What an obscure reference, and I'm sad I didn't, couldn't remember it. I know, me too. I just died a little bit on the inside. <laughs> the first PGA Championship was held in October 1916 at, do you know this one? Sewanoi. Sewanoi Country Club in Bronxville, New York. And it, so this is what's kind of cool, and I, I love learning about this stuff as a golfer. It was actually originally a match play. Do you know what, what a match play tournament is? So that's people just me and you, and then the winner goes on in like a bracket? Yep, Bas- basically, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, but what happened because of this, it was not uncommon for finalists to play like over 200 holes of golf in a week. That's a lot of it's golf. It's a shit ton of golf. That's a lot. I'm just That'll saying. wear on you. I do an annual <laughs> golf tournament. We play like four days in a row, 72 holes total or more. And I am like exhausted. Even like 15 years ago when I used to do this, I would be like, that's fucking a out lot of, of that's a lot of walking around. Yeah. So in 1957, <laughs> the event lost money at the PGA meetings. PGA meetings in November, it was changed to stroke play starting in 1958 with the standard 72 hole format and 18 holes per day for for four days, Thursday to Sunday for TV. Um, 
Yeah, for money. I mean, this basically got switched because of money, right? Just like, it, just, can, like, just like everything else. Which makes sense, right? And so network, network television broadcasters, they just preferred a large group of well-known contenders on the final day, and they eventually bullied the PGA of America to make the format change. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, nowadays, this is kind of, we're accustomed it's to that. Standard. And it is a fun way to watch golf. I do, though, love the match play tournaments that happen occasionally. I think they're really fun to watch. The problem is that you don't have all of your major golfers. You have, like, a handful of them. You have, like, two, like, they won't even maybe be, they may not even be, like, the top 10 or top 20 players. It could just be whoever happens to win that tournament and make their way through to the finals. Whereas usually on this on a Sunday of the Masters tournament or the PGA, you got, you know, you got a, 30 or 40 major players. In the you got league, the big you know. dogs. So yeah, the cream rises to the top. Is the Ryder Cup match? Some variation of Ryder match Cup play? Because I know it's country versus country, but it's it's two on two, right? Yeah, Ryder Cup is probably the closest to match play. Okay. But they but they do match play, but they also do different. They do like an alternating shot. They do, I mean, it's there's it's there's different types of formats, but essentially it's you play against another player, but how you're playing is different. Gotcha. From either, yeah, from different countries or whatever. All right. Qualification criteria. So here's here's basically who is in the tournament. Every former PGA champion, winners of the last five U.S. Opens, winners of the last five Masters, winners of the last five Open Championships, winners of the last three the Players Championships, which is basically like the fifth Master or fifth... fifth like the unofficial, yeah. Yeah, it's the fifth major. Mm-hmm. And as well as the current senior senior PGA champion. There's a lot more. You, you read the next few. Yeah. So the low 15 scores and ties in the previous PGA championship, the low 20 scores in the last PGA professional championship, the 70 leaders in official money standings on the PGA Tour starting one week before the previous year's PGA championship. So almost like a year to date from the last one. Who's won the most? 53 weeks. That's crazy. There's a lot of stuff. Members of the most recent United States and European Ryder Cup teams, uh-huh. provided they are in the top 100 of the official World Golf rankings as of one week before the start of the tournament. How many more caveats can we possibly have? Got a couple more. Any tournament winner co-sponsored or approved by the PGA Tour since the previous PGA Championship. So a tournament has to be PGA has to recognize it as an official PGA, PGA. qualifying tournament. Got it. Yeah. The PGA of America reserves the right, a little addendum, to invite additional players not included in the categories listed above. This could maybe be someone who's like injured, was injured the previous year, hasn't necessarily qualified for anything, like a Tiger Woods or something like that. Right, hey, Tiger, can, Phil. Now, he's won the tournament. That's not the best example, but you know what I mean. Yeah, someone yeah. someone that was on a hot streak and then... We want to we get him out there. Bad luck, yeah. The total field is a maximum of 156 players. And vacancies are filled by the first available player from the list of alternates, which are those that below the 70th place in official money standing. So, so 156 just, players. So they just fill the rest with those. After all that criteria, if there's still people left somehow or spots left somehow. They'll just go down the list of 71, 72, 73. Yeah. I wonder how many how many they typically fill in with like that last piece of criteria. Like how many people would actually like typically make it each year. I mean, there was like can't thirteen that many. or twelve different things that, like, there, there can't. There be has that to be many. like one or two people. They're like, all right, right. seventy-one and seventy-two, you're in. That's lucky, almost like that's almost like the year. final rule. Like, just in case we don't have enough, yeah, we'll just yeah. fill it in with these people. I'm sure there's a lot of crossover. Okay, here's some records for the tournament. 
the most wins is held by Jack Nicholas and Walter Hagen. And Walter Hagen. With five total. The most runner up finishes, you guessed it, Jack Nicholas with four. The oldest winner, Julius Boros in 1968. He was 48 years and 142 days. And then the youngest winner is Gene Sarazen in 1922, and he was only 20 years and 174 days. That's crazy. Yeah. The greatest winning margin in stroke play era was eight strokes by Rory McIlroy in 2012. The lowest absolute 72-hole score was 264, uh, was Brooks Kepka. 69, 63, 66, 66 in 2018. And then the lowest 72 in relation, 72 hole score in relation to par was minus 20. And that was Jason Day, 68, 67, 66, 67 for a total of 268 in 2015. Real quick, if you don't know, like lowest absolute score as compared to just the 72 hole score. So seven, this this score by Jason Day, I believe, was, was a par 72 or 71. And then the Brooks Kepka was like a par 70. Right. So fewer strokes to, to – so he's got a lower total score, but it wasn't the lowest under par. Right. Which yeah. is what Jason Day's got. Yeah. Uh the, the, the tournament that's held the most PGA championships, or say the course, is called Southern Hills Country Club. Uh, they held it in 70, 82, 94, and 2007. They also have it planned for 2022 and 2030. It's crazy to have it that far out. But I guess you when we need went, time to get it ready. We went to, when we went to the championship in St. Louis a couple years ago, they had, they had it not only where it's been the last couple years, where it's going to be. They already had that planned out for, like I think, half a decade. That's awesome. And that was just like big pictures. <laughs> I'm sure I know they have obviously more years already pre-planned, but yeah, it's a lot of lot that goes into it. So the current champion, Colin, is it Morikawa? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this year's tournament is, is coming up. That's one of the reasons why we're filming. Filming. <laughs> kind of changed my vernacular. Filming this episode. Uh, May 20th to 23rd, next week. Uh, all right. It, it's going to be held at the Ocean Course. <laughs> which is the Kiowa Island Golf Resort Ocean Course, which is in South Carolina. Fun fact, it costs $383 a round for, for, you, for you normal folks that want to like go out there and, and you. play. Well, not me. Maybe you. No, I mean, it's the same for both of us. Well, I wouldn't waste my money on that is what I'm saying. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> um, th- but you can. It's, it's a public course. And the purse for this year is $11 million. It's nice. It's a good little payday. That's well, a good payday. It's a, it's a I mean, it is a major, so yeah, you're going to make some money. Okay, so that's some a brief – I don't even call it brief. That's a good bit of background that's information a good synopsis. about the PGA Championship, the PGA, a little bit about the USGA. We are going to compare our two favorite films. Before we do that, though, we do want to talk really quickly about some ones we left off the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call these Regrettably Nerdy Omissions. There are a lot of golf movies, by the way, but a lot of them we found were – like documentaries there yeah which or older we just kind of took them out because that's not there's not as exciting a lot of information google golf documentaries if you like golf if I'm, you like I'm golf, a nerd i like golf movies. nerd out on it but here are some ones that are a little more scripted uh we've got bobby jones stroke of genius that came out in 2004 the main actor that plays bobby jones is jim uh Caviezel? I always say Caviezel. I feel like I've heard different pronunciations I've of heard, that. I've heard it too. I uh, say Caviezel. I, this is a really good one. This is actually one that was hard for me to not choose. 
Never you, seen it. You're going to tell some. I mean, I think it was because of the. It, it's a little bit more serious. It's more of a dramatic rendition of Bobby Jones and all the challenges he had, mm-hmm. quitting golf at a young age, and basically deciding to be a lawyer, even though he was like the best golfer in the league. Different yeah. different times then. Yeah. You know. Okay. Bobby Jones, rookie genius. Bobby Jones, the greatest game ever played, 2005. So in. In 1913 U.S. Open, a 20-year-old Francis Wiemat? Yep. Wiemat? Wiemat? That sounds great. Sure. Played golf against his idol, the 1900 U.S. Open champion, Englishman Harry Vardon, and that had Shia LaBeouf in it. Right before he just went over the deep end a little bit. Um, yeah. 96, Happy Gilmore. Need we say more? We can't. There's really nothing else we need to say about Happy Gilmore. That definitely was one of the top three. Well, actually, top four choices. Top four, along with this next one, Legend of Bagger Vance, 2000. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, is there ever. I mean, Will Smith. Listen, that, this, Matt was a, Damon. this was a controversial movie. Not a lot of people really praised it when it came out as much as I think they should have. I think it's great. It's a book rendition. Okay. So people are like, it's not like the book. I mean, true. But it's, When is it ever like the book? It's Matt Damon and freaking Will Smith. Like, okay. And Charlize. Don't forget Charlize. I forgot Charlize. Uh, we've got The Caddy, which came out in 1953. This is an old school movie with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. And they were basically a uh, mu- it was a musical comedy about golf. <laughs> that sounds about right with those two. I mean, I like all of those things. Musical, comedy. You're going to have to watch this. Golf. I mean, okay. Uh, From the Rough, 2013. Dr. Katana Starks made history as the first woman and the first African-American woman to coach a men's college golf team. It had Carol Sutton... Tom Felton, Michael Clark Duncan, and Taraji P. Henson. Yeah, a lot of a lot of big hitters there. Follow the Sun, colon, the Ben Hogan story came out in nineteen fifty one. And this starred Glenn Ford as Ben Hogan. And if you know don't know who Glenn Ford is, um, Glenn Ford played Clark Kent's father in the original Superman in nineteen seventy eight. Mm-hmm. And then this one I had to throw on there just because I found it is Who's Your Caddy in two thousand seven. And only because it has it has Lil Wayne, and it's got Big Boy from Outcast in it, and uh, Terry Crews. I mean, that's another fun little cast there. <laughs> I, I would like to watch that and, and maybe part- participate in some extracurriculars before we hit play. Well, there you go. All right. There you have it. A little bit of background, a little bit of regrettable nerdy omissions, and yes. now into the categories. So, part four, full nerd, talking about Caddyshack versus Tin Cup. Love it. So again, this was a tough decision, even though I think most people, well, I think a lot of people might flip out, let's say, Tin Cup for maybe Happy Gilmore. So, and it's interesting because we, you know, we talked about this and like Tin Cup was probably going to be my choice, but you sent me, you sent me your final four and I'm like, yep, that's, that's mine too. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, you pick, no, you pick. I think, I think we picked a really good selection here because what we did, we kind of did a, a more dramatic one versus just straight up slapstick. Whereas I think if we did Happy Gilmore versus Caddyshack, it might be too be, much just... It'd be too much of the same. It might be a better comparison episode because we can be like, what's the funnier one? But I think we're going for a better one. Now you're asking and, the impossible. And, well, well, I'd say we could pull out Caddyshack and talk uh, Legend of Bagger Vance, too. That's it's funny, but it's got some pretty dramatic moments to it. Certainly. Yep. I mean, it's pretty deep in instances. But you know what? This is what we chose. This is what we chose. First of all, let's go Caddyshack. So here's a summary according to IMDb. It is. It, this is it's so funny. This is all it says. An exclusive golf course has to deal with a brash new member and a destructive dancing gopher. <laughs> that's 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 Caddyshack for you. Probably. I mean, yeah, I guess so, but a little bit more than that. A little more to it. That's okay. This debuted July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. So Tin Cup, 
I think this is probably a little bit more accurate. A washed-up golf pro working at a driving range tries to qualify for the U.S. Open in order to win the heart of his rival's six of his successful rival's girlfriend. That's, that's pretty. That's, that's pretty way spot on. more descriptive. Yeah. Descriptive, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it debuted August sixteenth, nineteen ninety-six. All right, into the categories. So first off, we've got Caddy Shack. We're, talk, we're talking rankings here. So Caddy Shack has a Rotten Tomatoes score of ninety-three point cent. Ninety-three point cent. What did I just say? Ninety-three percent. And also, what am I? I you can't my, read. My brain just stopped working for Your a second. There. Rotten working. Tomatoes, seventy-three percent. IMDb, seven point three. There we go. We might have to go back and edit out my stupidity. No, we're going to keep that in. Fair. Tin Cup, Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-five percent. IMDb, six point four. Okay, I so, thought that was a little low. I kind of thought... not getting love for Tin Cup, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a lot of it's, it's probably a lot of Kevin Costner hate. That's a good point. I mean, people either love Kevin did... Costner or they hate him. Right, and, and I, this came up before Waterworld, and everybody oh, really it was like fun to one. hate on him at that point. All right, so we got to give it to Caddyshack, and even if the ratings were more accurately, I guess uh, a more accurate depiction of what it should be, in our opinion, I, I still think, think Caddyshack, I think Caddyshack, still Caddyshack probably opinion, still wins. Right? Yeah, I agree. In the pantheon of golf films, that's this is the one that everyone knows, whether you're a golfer or not. So okay, Caddyshack takes it there. Writer for Caddyshack, we've got. Brian Doyle Murray, who also wrote Caddyshack 2 and 78 episodes of SNL. <laughs> also happens to be Bill Murray's brother. Yep. Harold Ramis, who also wrote Animal House, Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, and Analyze This. It's Harold Ramis, yeah. Harold Ramis, as well as a third writer, was Douglas Kenny, who also wrote, along with Harold Ramis, Animal House and Caddyshack. And Douglas Kenny was, um, he's a Lampoon alum. Yep. So that's where they knew that guy. Tin Cup, written by Ron Shelton, who also wrote Bull Durham, White Men Can't Jump, Hollywood Homicide, Bad Boys 2, and Blue Chips. And then John Norville, whose only other writing credit is the upcoming Jungle Cruise movie with The Rock. All right. Coming out this year. Okay. That's the only, it's this one and that, and that's it. That's there was nothing a, else there. It's a heck of a time lapse. Just a little. What's he been doing for the last 25 I years? I have no idea. <laughs> Okay, so as far as choosing the overall writer, listen. First of all, let's let's give Tim Cup and Ron Shelton some some props. Yep, Ron there's Shelton. Some, there's some, some good love. films on there. I love yeah. White Man Can't Jump. Yeah, and Bull Durham. And, Burl, and Bull Durham. And actually, I, 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 Blue Chips is a sleeper for me. It is. <laughs> it's Nick Nolte at his best with. Well, Shaq's in it. Shaq is in it, uh, and so is Penny Hardaway. And Penny Hardaway, yeah. And Bobby Hurley. And Bobby Knight. Ooh, all right, but that aside, Harold Ramis just alone wins this thing for all. I mean, I agree. Yep. Come on. All right, Caddyshack again. Speaking of Harold Ramis, the director of Caddyshack, he also directed National Lampoon's Vacation, Groundhog Day, Multiplicity, Multiplicity, Multiplicity. <laughs> analyze this, Bedazzled. Analyze that. Let's go ahead and just cut off the last two there. The first one is Bedazzled. Is that the original or is that the new one with Brendan Fraser? I think that's the newer one with Brendan Fraser. Okay. That's the one that I've seen more than the one with um, Dudley Moore, I think, was in the original. Sure. I think so. I'll take your word for it. Sure. I don't mind. I don't, it was. I don't mind that the new one. So no, I don't mind the terrible. new one at all. I think it's entertaining. Okay. So that's Caddyshack, Harold Ramis. Tin Cup, Ron Shelton. He also directed Bull Durham, White Men Can Jump, <laughs> Hollywood, Hollywood Homicide, and then the 30 for 30, Jordan Rides the Bus. Ooh, that's a good episode. 
It was a good one. Yeah, so I wanted to make sure that was in there. I think this is a little bit closer. It's close. But I do think that just throwing in National Lampoon's Vacation and Groundhog Day, just those two alone. Again, if we're if we're ta- if we're a- like asking regular people on the street, you list all of these films, rank them in order, as far as like how well you know them or how much of an impact they've made. I'm assuming those two are probably going to be top two regardless. I think Vacation's probably number one. Yeah, and Old then, Durham and White Man Can't Jump. Are, I think are, they're, they're three. In the, they're three they're in the top four. They're three and sure. four probably. Yep. But I yep. think Groundhog Day is going to be number two, right? Oh, I agree. Okay, Caddyshack again. Uh, all right. Best main characters. Oh, we, might, we might have some a little bit of. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens here. All right, main characters for Caddyshack. We've got Chevy Chase plays Ty Webb. Rodney Dangerfield plays Al uh, Cervic. 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 Ted Knight plays Judge Schmales. Schmales. <laughs> His middle name is Elihu. Elihu. <laughs> Smales. Fun fact. Michael O'Keefe as Danny Noonan, and then Bill Murray plays. Carl Spackler. So for Tin Cup, we've got Kevin Costner as Roy McAvoy, Rene Russo as Dr. Molly Griswold, Don Johnson as David Sims, and Cheech Marin as Romeo Posar, which you never hear his last name. Mm-hmm. He's just Romeo. Yeah, just Romeo. Um, similar to the previous conversation, this is a little bit closer race than I think. This is pretty close. <clears throat> I've, I've been thinking about this one. Okay. What are your thoughts? I lean towards Tin Cup, and here's why. Okay. <clears throat> Kevin Costner is huge. He's been in a lot of stuff. Chevy Chase is a big name, but he's not that. He's really not in that much stuff. Yeah. Like he's he was in the Lampoon movies. He was in Fletch. He uh, was in like Funny Farm. Don't forget about Funny, Funny Farm. Farm uh, <laughs> Memoirs of the Invisible Man, which was kind of more of like a like more of a dramatic role. Yeah. But like he hasn't been in anything in a really long time. Like I would put like Community. if. if it, if you're ranking the people in Caddyshack, Bill Murray is a bigger, bigger star than any of them, easily. I agree. Well, hands it, down. But it, at the time, though, when this came out, the biggest star in here is Ted Knight, which is odd. Well, because he was huge on in, in television, basically. Right. He was huge. Small screen. Yeah. And then you have you I, know Rene Russo, who's been in a ton of stuff. Don Johnson, who's been in a ton of stuff. Speaking of someone who was huge on the small screen, absolutely. I mean, Miami Vice. Miami Vice. Number one new show. Miami Wise. <laughs> okay. Cheech Marin. I mean, it's Cheech. So I, I think we give it I, I'm okay with giving it to Tin Cup. Yeah. By a by, by a by a hair. By a hair. By a whisker. Yeah. Just and honestly at this point, like let's give Tim Cup Tin Cup a little bit of love. Let's, let's give it some love. Gotta get some love. Okay. Give it some love. Tin Cup wins that category. Best secondary categories or characters. Caddyshack. We've got Sarah Holcomb as Maggie O'Hooligan. I mean what a basic, just cliche Irish name. <laughs> you think of oh, hooligan. All right. Uh, she was also in Animal House. She was the she was the mayor's daughter. In the Animal mayor's House, daughter, the right? real young girl. Yep, yep. yep. Uh, Scott Columby as Tony um, Denunzio, yeah. who you also know from Porky's, Porky's, which came out like either the year before or year, year after this. And then finally, you got Cindy Morgan as Lacey Underall. And you may know her from the original Tron, as well as the television show Falcon Crest. A new Tron, but not Falcon Crest. Mm-hmm. So, you never heard of Falcon Crest, really? I, or Falcon I, Crest? I, I mean, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. I haven't either, but I, I know that it exists. I've it heard of it, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for Tin Cup, you've got Linda Hart as Doreen, who was also in Get Shorty and A Perfect World. Dennis Berkeley as Earl, who was in Hollywood Homicide and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot, which is hilarious. <laughs> 
Rex Lynn as Dewey, who was in Rush Hour, Wyatt Earp, and Cliffhanger. Lou Myers as Clint. And this is basically like, it's all Kevin Costner's. It's all Tin Cup's entourage. Yeah. Lou Myers as Clint, who was in The Wedding Planner and Volcano. Richard Linebeck as Kurt, who was in Speed, Natural Bone Killers, and Twister. George Perez as a Jose, who was in Toy Soldiers and Selena. And Mickey Jones as Turk, who was in Total Recall, Sling Blade, and National Lampoon's Vacation. He played the mechanic. Okay. All right. I mean, this is kind of like a. This isn't necessarily what which one wins, in my opinion. This is more of a which one loses. Um, and here, I'm just gonna say that it's because of. I don't think any of these names. If you were to show a picture to most people, and you could say, you can maybe say like, oh, that they were in that, they're that that guy in this show, this movie, whatever. Yeah, I had to think about like Linda Hart get shorty, and I was like, oh, okay, now I know who she is in that. Right, but these are not like these are not well known, established actors and actresses, at least especially not now. No, I'm. I gotta give this to Tin Cup for me, just because of the the number of credits that these actors and actresses have, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah, because even though Sarah Holcomb, I'd say she's probably the most well known person on this whole list, in my opinion. Like just because c- you know her from Animal because of what she's in. Yeah, but it's really that's it. <laughs> it's those two things. Same thing with Denonzio from Porky's. If you were a big Porky's person, but again, most people that's kind of fallen into the pantheon of like. You know, Nash Lampoon's films that were made that was made in the seventies. Yep. Tin Cup, you okay with that? I'm okay with that. Tin Cup. Tin Cup, two in a row. Best deep cut characters. Caddyshack's up first. We've got Brian Doyle Murray as Lou Loomis. <laughs> uh, again, probably know him because he's Bill Murray's brother, but he's also in Wayne's World. He's also in Groundhog Day. He's also in JFK. Also in Christmas Vacation. Yep. Lots of stuff. And then let's throw another Murray brother in there. John Murray plays a caddy. I actually remember him from Scrooge. He's the brother that can't think of the the SS Minnow. Minnow. That's actually his brother in real life. Plays a harpsichord. Uh, he's also an elf. He's he's but he's like some person standing in an elevator in elf, I think. (laughs) Said in the credits. (laughs) So Tin Cup, it's just basically a whole bunch of real life people. So it's Craig Stadler, Gary McCord, Peter Jacobson, Jim Nance, Corey Pavin. Phil Mickelson, Fred Couples is in it. Mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson actually has like a line in the background. Uh, a few of them do. Yeah. And then we've got, Stadler, we've got the Stadler has lines. Yeah, Nance has a ton of them. And then yeah. Venturi is, is yeah. the other Nancer yeah, yeah. with Stance. I didn't know if that was a real guy or not. It is, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I've got an opinion here, but it might be different than your opinion. So no, you, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, my opinion would be I, I always like it when celebrities and, and athletes make appearances but they're not just like a bit part one offer. It's not like a, it's not like a, uh, what do you call it? Um, um, a pre-recorded clip. Oh, I, they're I, using like stock footage. Stock footage. I couldn't yeah. think of the freaking word. Yes. It's not stock footage. Like they're actually in the film and they actually had to act in quotes. Stadler had a couple lines. He was in a few scenes. So for me, just in one. for me, I'm, I'm actually voting for 10 cut, but you may, I agree with that. No offense to Brian Dill Murray or John Murray, but I don't want to be persuaded just because they're Bill Murray's, siblings and also brian doyle murray like wrote and directed this thing so he's already wrote this thing so like we already gave him plenty of nods yeah he's just pulling an m night and just putting himself in it yeah m night m night shout out to m night all right music i think we're gonna tie game here three to three i think we do too so we might have music as the tiebreaker here and then we'll talk more after that caddyshack we've got i'm all right lyrics and music by kenny loggins mr knight also by kenny loggins any way you want it That's by journey journey and summertime blues recorded by eddie 
Cochran. So Tin Cup had a few. I only picked a couple of them. Like some of the more well-known ones that I remember from the from mm-hmm. the movie Character Flaw by Joe Eli. Cool Looking Woman by Jimmy Vaughn. I picked that one because Jimmy Vaughn is Stevie Ray Vaughn's brother. Estoy Sentado Aquí, which is performed by Cheech Marin. I can't remember who wrote it. Double Bogey Blues, which was performed by Mickey Jones. You know, two songs are actually performed by actors in the movie. And then This Could Take All Night by Amanda Marshall. Yeah. I mean, recognition, tip the cap, tip the golf cap to the actors performing their own songs and playing the guitar playing the guitar for Love the soundtrack it. it's but it, it's kenny Loggins and journey kenny Loggins and journey i mean i'm all right this is this was made for this film and it's and it's you transcended that you you hear that song yeah and you think caddyshack yeah no matter where you are like that's the caddyshack song and period we could, we could stop there but you throw a journey song in there exactly yeah you throw journey right all right caddyshack takes it caddyshack takes it that's okay Favorite scenes. So uh, these are not in any particular order. They kind of are. In Caddyshack, just the opening caddy assignments where they're all kind of being told they're picking up bags. The Nunzio um, and Danny have a little bit of, uh, you know, conflict. Um, oh, with the Coke. Yeah. With the Coke, right? And you don't get in the Coke. Yeah, and there's a fight. And then and, and Brian, Brian Doyle Murray has to come over. And fit. Just just the dynamic of and having Caddy growing up. Like that's kind of a little bit of shenanigans going on. They're a bunch of young kids just... Is that what it's like just in the ja- clubhouse? Just jackasses. No, they're not allowed in the clubhouse. Well, you know what I mean. Like are, the, the caddy house. These are where the caddies, the caddy hut, where the, they're, the they're, caddy they're hut. not allowed inside. The, the caddy shack, that's if per, you will. That's, yeah, oh. <laughs> I wonder what that's where they came with the title for it. Oh, who knows? The Carl, the Dalai Lama monologue is something that Brilliant. I could recite, recite right now, word for word. Maybe we'll do that in a little bit. We could. Just classic. The, 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 the tie playing with Carl. The, when he plays through, like playing through, playing through, Carl, kind of, kind of ball come in right, that whole scene. Um, when he, yeah, he talks about the grass, he can play thirty six souls on it and oh, get yeah. stoned to the bejesus later. The bejesus, the pool and a pond, pond would be, pond be good for you. Uh, a little bit before that, the die, uh, the tie, and Danny hanging out. So they are. Um, says do you, you do drugs, Danny? Every day. Good, good. <laughs> that whole that whole <laughs> dynamic back and forth, just showing off, kind of tie it as at his best, and he's. He does the no 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 like that yeah. whole thing. Um, probably just sets the stage Chevy for how, Chase ad libbing the entire time. Yeah, probably. it's how big of a jackass tie is, but he's also very good at golf. Yep. And Danny kind of like looks up to him, in a way. The intro of Al, when he comes in and, he, and he's <laughs> he's got the bag that plays music out of it. It shoots his club out. He goes into the clubhouse and it's. I want two uh, of these and four of those and three of these and yeah. ten of these and give me um, a box of balls. Look at this hat. <laughs> that the whole part of just that, Rodney that Dangerfield thing. just basically stealing it's, the scene. It's not even a scene; it's like a sequence. It is just like of him outside, and then he goes inside, and then they start playing, and yeah, everything. It's essentially a running dialogue of him seeing things and talking about them. Yeah, again, like, probably like, just ad libbing the whole I, time. I don't know how much scripted. In this I'm whole sure film, he didn't have a lot. We'll learn here in a second. The let's see, uh, Carl and Bishop, the whole golfing in the storm. Okay. Uh, yep. All right. So the the bishop, not bishop. That's not the, the, name. Bishop. the bishop. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I keep playing. Not gonna. It's not gonna. The hard stuff's not gonna come down <laughs> for quite a while. We're already kind of saying all the best quotes, but it's that okay. whole that whole scene back and forth. And it's and, hard and, not. It's hard not to quote it when we're, and, saying, when we're and, talking about I, it. There's so many like little, um, like it just, I think it. The bishop gets struck by lightning, and all you see, Carl, he looks around and drops the bag just, and runs and off. Just drops it and runs away. 
<laughs> that's just fantastic. And then the entire final scene, the, the whole competition, Obviously. the uh, my arm, it's broken, the, the attack on, on like Carl planning this whole explosion to try and, t- and blow up the whole course. All the course. C4, yeah. Just that whole thing to wrap up the course and the way that they end up winning the tournament. Um, spoiler alert. Is uh, is I think a pretty great scene. Which ones? Which one's your favorite of these? I mean, it's it's the llama. Yeah, it's the llama. It's all about the llama. Another good Carl scene that we didn't mention was um, the Cinderella story. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that one where he's where he's hitting the flowers. That's mm-hmm. a good one. But it's the llama mm-hmm. when he's got the rake like right, like right at his neck, right at the caddy's neck. Hey, right up next, llama. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great scene. It's kind of hard not to pick that one, but I actually. I, Upon rewatching it for the fiftieth time, I actually like the whole Rodney Dangerfield. It, it's it's, it's a series of different scenes, but basically all the way through to where they're dancing on in the chorus, like behind. What do you got in this? Yeah, uh, that that whole part just cracks me up. All right, Tin Cup, mm-hmm. Tin Cup. So some of my favorite scenes. Rewatched it two nights ago. The golf lesson. So this is his initial, you know, interaction with Molly. And he has that poetry thing, and just with them kind of, with them kind of going through, and like every, like his whole entourage is like watching from inside. It's like oh he's doing like, and they're like calling the play by play. It's like oh he's doing that poetry thing. He's always having her waggle, and it's just it's yeah. just that whole back and forth of them doing that. And then they're just they've seen it. They've seen him do it a thousand times. So they know exactly what he's trying to do. I mean, it's and it's the old season golf pro that is just using that to pick up women. Yeah, that's just kind of just this is his thing. This is his thing, and this is what he does, and he's done it many times. And it's and again, I think it's a really great character development. It sets the stage essentially for you know we're going to see the character arc of, mm-hmm. of Roy's character because he's kind of a sleaze bag. This he... is where he is. He's a womanizer, just <laughs> washed up freaking golf pro that could have done so much more with his life, but he hasn't. But he didn't because he just didn't want to. Yeah, almost just because he didn't feel like it. Just didn't feel like it. Yeah. Um, getting his clubs out of hawk. Mm-hmm. So when he had to play the guy with the the bat, the shovel, the rake, like the the bat, the, the hoe, and all that stuff, so uh-huh. just I just like that scene playing with a pink ball. Yep, uh, breaking all his clubs and then finishing with a seven iron. Just that <laughs> whole scene. Yeah, that's a great scene. That's a that's a good one. Um, the first bar bet. <laughs> there are actually two of them, mm-hmm. oddly enough. So when he bets, who can? Well, Don Johnson bets Roy bets Kevin Costner who can. Who can hit your seven iron longer? And then, uh, well, he hits it down the road, and uh, you know, teaches him a little lesson. Mm-hmm. And then getting drunk in the Winnebago—it's very short, but it's right after they do the warm-ups when they fix his swing and they go back. And he's like, he's like, "What time do you tee? What time do I tee off?" It's like seven a.m. where the first ones. He's like, "That's four hours from now." And then he <laughs> passes out on the floor. Uh, the second bar bet, mm-hmm. you know, after he you know plays hungover. Shoots an eighty three, and then there he knocks the he knocks the pelican off its perch from inside the bar. Um, obviously, shooting sixty two, you know, shooting ten under. Yep. Um, Just showing us what Roy can actually do. What he can actually do when he's he not like, hung over and he's not and his and his, and his mind is <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, the Waffle House scene of just them arguing and like, you know, I've got a little bit of extra money. He's like, No, I'm a Waffle House guy. Like, this is me. And then the, the final, so the twelve on the final hole. Yeah, give me another ball. Uh, <laughs> I'll do it right now. So uh, there are a lot of quotes just within these. There, there are scenes and, that I that I I'm trying. Yeah. I've tried. I've picked the one for me. Best scene is based on which, what li- which lines do I use more often? Win on the <laughs> golf course, and it's it's the twelve on the final hole. Give me another ball. I can make that shot. 
We'll do, do it. it. Quit fucking around. Just quit fucking around. <laughs> that's that for me is that's my favorite scene. What do you got? It's hard for me. Um, well, I can't talk about that because I was going to say, well, my favorite line is from this scene, but we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, but I, th- well, I was going to say, so is is, this, is you're going to are you going to pick one based on more of a golfing? Probably not a golfing experience. Yours is more based on just kind of. Mine's more based on like a movie going experience. Yeah, right. Like and so because you know, like you said, I've. I can I can count the amount of times I played eighteen holes on one hand in my life. So I'm, yeah, I'm not a golfer. I was probably there with you most of those times. You probably so. were. Um, I will probably also say the twelve, mm-hmm. that scene, the final scene. I know it's the final scene and it's the climax, but it's just it's so well done. It gets you in the feels. It is pretty um, iconic. Yep. For this film. Yep. And actually, really, just for golfing in general. Right. Just for golfing in general. Yeah. Um. So let's get into some obscure facts and got to start with Caddyshack. So here's what's kind of cool. Like you mentioned already, the lampoon, like there's obviously a lot of deep ties to deep ties to lampoon, right? Yep. So there's a lot of success with animal house. And so screenwriters, Doug Kenny and Harold Ramis actually pitched a ton of new ideas to Orion pictures. Every one of their idea got it rejected, but basically then the, the, those, this duo that was known for animal house again, teams up with Brian Doyle Murray to pitch the concept of Animal House on a golf course. <laughs> and they were like, yep, executives, we're in for that. Well, because Animal House was a hit. Yeah. Um, the original rough cut of the movie was four and a half hours long. <laughs> it was packed with so many good jokes that Ramis didn't want to edit any of them out. I yeah. bet it was chock full of just ad I would love to see the director's cut of this. Oh, my God. Can you imagine watching like a Justice League version, but of the, the fucking Ra- the, the Ramus cut. <laughs> the Ramus cut. Uh, the shots of the gopher puppet were actually inserted into existing scenes after principal photography uh, to add a narrative through, um, like throughout the film. And the puppet and shots were actually created by Oscar-winning Star Wars visual effects supervisor John Dykstra. That's awesome. Yeah, Star Wars. Really cool Star Wars connection there. With with Caddyshack Gopher, what, that's so random. So the sound effects for the Gopher were reused from TV series Flipper. You think about it, like it does not sound like like is that what a Gopher sounds like? He's going. <laughs> that's I don't obviously. Even know what a go- I, I mean, honestly, they could probably yeah. do whatever they want because who knows what a Gopher. But when I read like. that, I was like, oh my god, it does sound like a fucking dolphin. It does. Like when you think about I it, I don't think that's what a Gopher sounds like. But I'm not sure they make noises. Maybe they do. What's the fox say? <laughs> <laughs> all right bill murray filmed all of his scenes including the famous scene with chevy chase in six days that's a pretty awesome shooting schedule went on there and just knocked it out yeah so carl spackler was originally a silent character in the script in the manner of harpo marks but after bill murray was cast harold ramus encouraged murray to speak and improvise no shit yeah no right you gotta you gotta utilize that guy yeah you gotta um, you know let him go speaking of improv <laughs> improvised he improvised the entire Cinderella story sequence, um, basically with two lines of stage direction. Here's what Harold Ramis, he, director Harold Ramis, simply asked Murray to imagine himself announcing his own fantasy sports moment, and all Murray said was, "I need four rows of mums," and then he did the scene. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, so that's great. fucking great. Honestly, and that's Bill Murray. Yeah, that's the genius of Bill Murray yeah. at work, right there. Yeah. Nope. Again, speaking of Bill Murray, he improvised the scene with Peter Burkrat in which Carl holds a pitchfork 
to Angie's throat. According to Burkhart, he was genuinely nervous during that scene because the pitchfork was real. And I think that's one of those everyone kind of knows that's what happened in that movie. But go back and watch that. You, if you, know, haven't without... you can tell that kid is nervous. He's like, is he? Is this a real thing? Like, is he really going to happen? Is he going to hit me in the neck or not? So many improvised stuff going on here. Cindy Morgan, who played Lacey, has said that the oil massage scene with Chevy Chase was also completely improvised. And uh, when Lacey exclaims, quote, you're crazy, that was Morgan's uh, genuine reaction to Chase dousing her with oil. And also his reply was, that's what they said about about the son of Sam. (laughs) Yeah. More improvisation. Improvisation. The rowdy improvisational atmosphere during the shoot created by Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, Chevy Chase, and Rodney Dangerfield didn't sit well with all the members of the cast. Ted Knight widely regarded as a very nice man, got fed up with the constant shenanigans. And you can see that because, oddly enough, like that's his character. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. He just played pissed because he probably was legitimately pissed all the time. Right. With all these freaking hooligans. <laughs> all these idiots like just saying whatever the hell they wanted to, and he's trying. He's the professional trying to s- stick to the script. Yeah. So the opposite of, of uh, Ted Knight here was Rodney Dangerfield. This was his first big-time movie appearance, and allegedly, the comedian kind of had some tough times on the set early on. He he didn't think he was funny. No one was laughing at his jokes. And actually, Denunzio, who's played by Scott Columby, had to reassure the newbie that uh, any laughs would ruin the take. And so even though people thought it was funny, they weren't allowed to laugh because well, yeah. you can't just laugh audibly when you're recording a, a movie. Right. You're not supposed to, at least. So, and he, he's, so, I mean, because he was a stand-up guy, so he's, he's expecting that audience, like, feedback of, like, yeah. Hey, you know, okay, they laughed at my joke. That means it must be funny. And let's let's. Like, and I'm, let's, I'm feeding uh, yeah, off the let, audience now. No, it, that, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. That wasn't happening. Yeah, no. Um, a big hill was built from scratch for the climactic 18th hole scene because the country club did not want its course blown up. That kind of makes sense, right? And the, the the pyrotechnic people that blew this thing up used too many explosives. Explosives. Shocker. Which destroyed the hill and caused planes flying by to report the explosion as if a crane had a plane had crashed there. So they, they like were like, Oh no, something really bad happened. It's like, no, we're just filming a film. No, we're just blowing up a golf course. No yeah. big deal. The movie was inspired by writer and co star Brian Doyle Murray's memories of working as a caddy at a at a golf club. His brother Bill Murray and Harold Ramis also worked as caddies when they were teenagers. Yeah. And and- so did you. So did I. And there's a lot of family stuff here. Brian Doyle Murray based Danny's family on his own. He has eight siblings, again, including Bill Murray. Hmm. The eldest Murray, Ed, had actually won a golf caddy tournament scholarship called the Chick Evans Caddy Scholarship. He used his winnings to help put himself through Northwestern. That's pretty cool. And again, a a little little bit of relation there to Danny's story. The upscale Bushwood Country Club is based on the Indian Hill Club where Brian Doyle Murray... You guessed it. And his brothers worked during childhood summers in Winnetka, Illinois. And Bill Murray ran the hot dog stand at the club uh, when he was a teenager. The scene involving a baby Ruth candy bar being thrown into the swimming pool was based on a real-life incident in Brian Doyle Murray's high school. It's amazing how, especially when you have like these kind of original scripts, like how much they're pulling from real life. Like, so it's it's an original script, but they're just ripping off. Like, I mean, that's I, all their life experiences. They're just kind of piling them into one and making sense of it. Well, if you I think, think it's great. Yeah, I do too. And if you think about it, if I was going to write a script or whatever, you, you got you're you, going to draw from your own inspiration. Well, yeah, they always say write what you know. Yeah, I've I've thought about writing. You a should screenplay about either growing up shenanigans or just being a teacher. 
But that would be pretty funny. I think both of them would be lots, good. Lots of anecdotes. Two, that's, that's two different movies. Yeah. That's definitely two different movies. Yeah. Um, okay. This character, Maggie, she plays an exchange student from Ireland. That is never once mentioned, but it does explain why she has this really crazy Irish accent. But again, she just has this outrageous accent that's never addressed. I figured she was just like immigrated. Well, apparently she was. Didn't ex- realize she was. Apparently an she's supposed student. to be an exchange. Plus, student. she was just like there. Yeah. Interesting. This next one, it's you, just, you, you're going to read it, but it's for you. This is just for me. So Harold Ramis wanted to use Pink Floyd to write the music for the film, but the band declined because they were too busy supporting the tour for The Wall. After an audition, Kenny Loggins came up with the famous theme song, I'm Alright, and played it for the producers and got the job. Johnny Mandel, who wrote the film's musical score, was also hired immediately afterward. What could have been? What could have been? I don't know. I, I, I think Kenny Loggins is a better fit than Pink Floyd. I mean, yeah, he can want to use Pink Floyd, but like, what kind of like, what kind of music would Roger and would Roger White, especially after the Wall? I mean, different. that's not that's kind of a downer album. That's a different kind of movie. That's a different kind of movie. That that would that, I don't think the that music wouldn't match. Period. All right, Tin Cup, fun facts. So many of the golf shots by Kevin Costner's character were actually made by him by by himself. He, he made him himself. He's, he's got a good swing. He's allegedly a pretty good golfer. Yeah. And you can tell, too. Like, he looks like he knows what the hell he's yeah, doing. Yeah, he looks like he's got it's, a decent it's swing. It's hard to fake golf. You can fake other stuff. You can do a lot of cutaways and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like basketball, for example. Or I mean, there's a lot of that going on in, like, uh, any hockey movie you watch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? yeah. Absolutely. But it's hard, it's hard to, dem- to recreate a good golf swing, and he does a pretty good job with it. Mm-hmm. He's not even recreating it. He's, I think he's just a good golfer. Roy's friend and, some, and sometime caddy, Earl, is played by Dennis Berkeley. He wears several shirts from TCU throughout the movie, which is where he went to college. The, represent. Represent. You got to represent. I'd be wearing the Zoo Tiger stuff all the time of if course I was I would. On, on screen. Of course we would. The grandparents and grandchild with a dog in the scene where Sims yells at them after they ask for an autograph is actually played by Kevin Costner's parents, Sharon Costner and Bill Costner. The grandchild is actually his son, Joe. Hey, you got to throw your family in there man if you can you got that power why not jump on screen grandson or kid whatever or parents uh cheech marin he didn't even like golf before he joined this film um but now he's an avid golfer i don't blame him it's gonna change you i know kevin costner and don johnson's are john don johnson are good friends in real life and also the johnson was considered to play elliot ness in the untouchables but turned it down and then it obviously well it went to kevin costner and that's that's a great movie. I think it's. I'd like to play in a foursome with Kevin Costner and Don Johnson, and maybe Cheech Marin. That'd be a fun little foursome. I'll just be there. Just be there. What a fun fly group. on the wall. But all I, I we need to. I mean, what do you think? How does Untouchables look with him as Elliot Ness? I think he could probably do a good job. Yeah, I think that would have been good casting. He'd be not that Kevin Costner isn't cool, but Don Johnson is he's, exponentially cooler. He's cooler. Yeah, he's I think cooler. that I would. I would think that Kevin Costner would also admit that. Yeah. Yeah. Dennis Quaid actually stated that he regretted turning down the role played by Don Johnson. I can't see. Well, he's, no. Uh, he's yeah. Kind of, he's kind of a dick. I could see it a little bit. He, I could he see plays the, that character a little bit well, but I think Don Johnson is he's more of a the thing about that character is he's he's very fake. Oh yeah. And I think Don Johnson pulls that off like incredibly well. Yep. So speaking of David Sims the character, Pierce Brosnan was also considered for that role. He's too nice. He's way too nice. Yeah, I wouldn't believe that he's also secretly an asshole. You know? Yeah. 
John Leguizamo was considered for the, the part of Romeo. I could see that. John Leguizamo's kind of got that sarcastic, smart aleck I know. could totally see that. I think Cheech does a great he, job. but He kind of does that role in the movie The Chef. Have you ever seen it? Or Chef. Chef. Oh, I love that Chef movie. Chef with John Favreau, yeah. Love it. Mm-hmm. It's a great movie. So in the scene where Roy and his entourage meet at the Waffle House, an argument breaks out about whether the Waffle House is near Salome, is in Midland, or Odessa. Doreen, who's you know played by Linda Hart, declares she's certain it's Odessa because she's born there, settling the argument. In truth, there is no Waffle House in ne- neither Midland nor Odessa. Which I'm surprised there isn't one there. I, I'm surprised too. No offense to Midland or Odessa, but you know, it seems like a spot that would have some Waffle Houses. Absolutely. They're everywhere. I'm not, yeah, I'm not judging. Don Johnson and Cheech Marin would go on and star together in the TV series Nash Bridges, um, which is the same year that this movie came out. Yeah. They just like each other so much. Let's make a TV series. And for those of you keeping score at home, Roy McAvoy's final overall score at the U.S. Open was one under par, 287. His four rounds were 83, 62, 64, and 78. Yeah, and what's funny about that is that most, I mean, if you're an avid golfer, you know the U.S. Open, that is actually a score. One that, under par is a, a good that's score. That's a score that has won the tournament <clears throat> at depending, the U.S. Open. Yeah, there depending. have been over par scores that have won the U.S. Open. Because they, they pick some tough courses for that sometimes. Tough-ass courses. So yeah. it's not super crazy that that would be a number that would be in the top ten. Absolutely. All right. Favorite quotes, Caddyshack. I'm not going to say all these because we've already kind of said most of them, but we, the entire Cinderella, them, Cinderella sure. story monologue. Is great. It's Cinder- in the hole. Cinderella story. That's something I say a lot. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. All right. The looper, the monologue. This is something that I say that comes up constantly. So I got that going for me, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. Right. I I probably use that line more than anything. Well, I, I will say whenever someone hits it far, they'll go big hit, big hit of the llama. Big hit of the llama. <laughs> um. Hey, baby, you must have been something before electricity. <laughs> <laughs> that's you know little al little al ronnie little, little al Cervic, more yeah. more carl check me if i'm wrong sandy but if i kill all the golfers they're gonna lock me up and throw away the key <laughs> golfers golfers oh we, oh oh <laughs> we can do that i can't remember what he says but um looks good on you though bet you get a free bowl of soup with that hat it's great the whole al it's also something your, your i say scene. that often to my to my father whenever he's wearing really anything Looks good on you. You like this hat? It looks good on you, though. Looks good on you, though. (laughs) We already said that take drugs, Danny. I hear this place is restricted, Wang. Don't tell him you're Jewish, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That whole thing, I don't know if it'd be something that would fly in today's society. I don't. But also, it is really mocking like the upper, uber-rich white golf club. It is. A little bit. Especially because he's Asian. So you'd have to maybe go through and think about how the words, but that's just a, I don't know, that line is just, again, that entire thing of him entering the club and all the way through the weather on the just course just keeps going. Yep. You'll get nothing in like it. Again, I say that line all the time too. Me too. Oh, and we kind of already mentioned that one. You're right. But then the other, the follow-up was, you're right. Anyway, the good Lord would never disrupt the best game of my life. <laughs> yeah. Good throwback. This is one Jeremy says all the time. Hey, Whitey, where's your hat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have a pond in the back. We have a pool in a pond. Pond would be good for you, though. <laughs> the bishop throwback. You're, <laughs> you're a bishop, for God's sake. There is no God. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's oh. kind of a one-offer, by the way. Like that, 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 that whole scene. He's just kind of sitting in the back drinking. He, no, yeah, he's he's totally in the. He's background. just there, there and that just happened. And, and 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 Ted Knight has a little real quick interaction with him. Then you don't really hear from the bishop anymore after that. Right. Well, and just like this one's a really quick one. Dog food. I'll show him dog food. <laughs> right. With and the, then that's with it. The that, chef. That's the. I think that's his mm-hmm. only line in the entire. movie. I think it is. Yeah. Um, should have yelled too. That's a golf thing that we say. Um, that's, that's a good one. The whole na 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 like that's something that I've done with, especially like practice putting on the on the range. Oh, absolutely! I bet you know for sure. Just to before you go know, gearing up for the round, mm-hmm. waiting for your tee, wait, waiting to tee off, mm-hmm. waiting for your tee time, and then don't sell yourself short, Judge. You're a tremendous slouch. Yeah, it was a last minute addition. It's kind of you, you can't leave that one off. You can't leave that one off. Tin cup favorite quotes. You want to start us off? Fuck shit. These are highly technical golf terms, and you use them on your first lesson. This is promising. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, and again, that's that whole like beginning with Renee Russo. Yeah, where right? she she hits it, fuck, and she hits she hits she she duffs it or misses the ball completely, shit. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, hey, we're good. I I do. I, this is kind of a scene we 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 didn't really talk about because it's it's a pretty quick one, but it's when he decides to show up, Don Johnson, when he's. Catting he's, for he's him. He's catting for him in his tournament that he put together. And then he, he they're like, he's giving him shit for laying up, basically. Mm-hmm. He says, don't take that shot, Roy. I'll fire you again. And he says, how are you going to fire me in front of all these people? Especially when I knock it on the green. <laughs> yep. Just fucking badass. And he does. And he gets fired. <clears throat> and then he gets fired. And then this quote, to, he, he's, you know, it's it's directly after the shot. And he, you know, and this is this is Romeo saying, man, you'd bury yourself alive just to prove you could handle the shovel. Because mm-hmm. Roy's saying, well, if I had to do it all over again. I'd still make that shot. Um, I I'm, I'm going to skip ahead here because I think one of the ones that I like the most is, and, and and there's a lot more that leads up to it. It's when he's breaking all of the clubs. Again, we mentioned that scene's a great one, but then yeah. he says, "But then there's a seven iron. I never miss with the seven I iron. Never miss with the seven iron." Which everyone's got that club, and actually that is is the my, seven. That's is the my, seven your club? Uh, it is. That's the club I pull out if I'm like I am playing like fucking just garbage i'm just gonna hit this thing for almost every shot just gonna just gonna hit as hard as let's, i can let's get a little more confidence there. and then I'll, I, mean, I won't putt with it there is good old mr three wiggle mr three wiggle yeah uh and there's some there's some good back and forth in this movie so it's not just quotes but it's like kind of interaction so it's you know roy saying well it'll show you it'll show her that i'm not who she thinks i am and romeo says but you are who she thinks you are yeah there, a lot of these quotes are kind of just back and forths, um, which I'm going to let you take these because I, 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 you put a lot of these back and forths on there. I did. You're good I at did. it. I did. So then, you do it. So directly after that, like Romeo says, you can't ask advice about the woman you're trying to hose from the woman you're trying to hose. And Roy says, why not? And then he goes to see, and then he goes to see her and she's a shrink and whatever. Um, I, I, like, like, I like this one. I like the this Shanks one, too. one the, What am I doing wrong? I don't know. The shanks are like a virus. They just show up. Nobody can figure them out. And then he like he, he has them do all those things like put move your keys to your left pocket or the T's to the left pocket. Or you turn know, your t- head around. Turn your backwards. head around. Put your put put this stick this T behind your T- left tie ear. Tie a double knot in your, in your in your left, left shoe. shoe because he was hitting them. He was they were all going right. Yeah. So he's trying to make them to go left. You look like an idiot. Well, how do you think you look hitting those chili dippers up Lee Jansen's exactly. ass? Exactly. <laughs> um. I like this one a lot too. So Molly says, "Is this normal behavior for him?" And then Earl says, "Well, the words normal and him don't often collide in the same sentence." Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you ride her till she bucks you, or you don't ride at all. Romeo says, "I think you ought to get drunk." Royce, get drunk? Yeah, you always you always play better when you're wasted, <laughs> which is true. Yeah, everybody always does. Mm-hmm. No, and again, I think I just I, I I the whole thing at the end, the last scene, and even even Renee Russo, we kind of left this out when she says. Um, Said I, I shot a twelve in the last hole of the U.S. Open. She's like, "It's immortal." Everyone's gonna remember the twelve. Yep. <laughs> like it's fucking. It's just a really cool way to kind of wrap the wrap the film up. Yeah. And shows like how ridiculous he is, and still hasn't controlled his shit. But also like he's, yeah, he's, he's he's grown a little bit as a person. He's grown a little bit as a person, but, but he's still, still kind of a jackass. He's still a head case. Okay. All right. Let's get into our scene stealers. And no, I had one more favorite. Oh, quote. go ahead. You got one more quote. Go ahead. Uh, so it's it's when they're getting drunk in the Winnebago, and it's actually it probably is my favorite quote of the entire movie. Where he he gets he passes he's like oh that's four hours from now he passes out and then Cheech says here's to finally to an athlete on the verge of greatness and he takes a shot and he starts singing the song starts singing the song that's my favorite line of the whole movie yeah okay that's well I gotta mention that one's a good one okay so Caddyshack scene stealers for Caddyshack this is hard I I wrote down Murray Dangerfield Ted Knight and Chevy Chase you could make the case for any of those people I know I know I I think if we're talking about like what are the what are the scenes that people remember the most? It's got. I think it's got to be Bill Murray. I think it's got to be. It, it would be Bill Murray, or probably second would be Chevy Chase. If yeah. you're talking about the scenes that people remember the most, it would be those two. But it's it's Murray's the one that everybody quotes. But whenever Rodney Dangerfield is on screen, though, you're watching him because he's in. He's crazy. I think we got to go with him just from just because he is like, and he's on the screen a lot with Murray, or not even with Murray, but with Ted Knight, Chevy Chase, and he. Mm-hmm. He steals it. Everyone is paying attention to him the whole time. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Ronnie Dangerfield. And then for, for Tin Cup, you put this one on there because it's who I was going to put on there, Don Johnson. I put Linda Hart in there too just because she's a little bit she's a little bit more of a secondary character. Yeah. But Doreen is pretty strong in the scenes that she's in, and she you is. are paying attention to her because she a, she's a strong female character. But I agree. It's Don. It's Don Johnson. I didn't even put anybody else on there because I was like, Don it's, Johnson. It's Don Johnson. <laughs> it's it's absolutely Don Johnson. The best character on there. Okay. Uh, just some kind of overall lessons and in, in impact and nostalgia about Caddyshack. I think about both of them really, but this is for me, this is what it was like. A lot of things, not as extreme, but as a golfer growing up, being a caddy, you know, having to deal with shenanigans and my friends that would come up. I mean, they would show up sometimes hungover or whatever. And this is high school, college. Yeah. Um, you know, and this is what you did as a caddy. You get up, go caddy for four or five hours, make a couple hundred bucks or whatever, a hundred bucks in tips. And then just wash and rinse and repeat. You spend all that money on beer that night and then uh, yeah. just keep going. That's what you did. And that's what you could do. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. What about what about Tin Cup? So Tin Cup, the way that I you know, uh, kind of frame this movie is that this is the Cinderella story that Carl is mumbling about when he hits the mums. What an awesome connection that you came up with there. It's I would tr- totally but it's, agree. But it's true. He's going to use a five iron here. It's in the hole. It's in the hole. And it's in the hole. And it was in the hole. About to become... Took... Now he didn't become the champion, but about to hit a 12 and qualify for next year's U.S. Open. Right. That was basically the only difference there. So that was my my lessons learned. All right. So some kind of thoughts that I had. I'm going to ask you these these here for Caddyshack. What candy bar do you think looks the most like poop? Payday. Oh, that's a that's a fucking good one. Because it's got the because it's got the peanuts in it. Mm. I was yeah. thinking about. I saw the question, so I I, I had time <laughs> to think. Oh, like, well, which one is you it? Think of it a little bit. Uh, yeah, but I think I think payday. I think that's a really good one. I think I think 
Baby Ruth is another good one. Baby Ruth is a good one too. Uh, you could all maybe even say Three Musketeers. Perhaps. You probably would maybe a, Schnick, a Snickers because it's it's got the peanuts, so it's okay. a little, like a Three Musketeers just nougat, so it's like straight. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm, I was a okay. Snickers would have peanuts in it, so it'd be a little like more. That payday, that's a good answer. Yeah, I, I thought payday. That's a good answer. Yeah. Um, okay. As a gre- the from the perspective of a business person, how long does it take to fix this course after Carl destroys it? Six months, at, at least. least. At least it's one season. Yeah, you're you're closed down for a season because you have to lay all the sod. It's got to take, and then you just got to you've you've got a lot of care and feeding for that for that giant lawn got, after you blow it to hell. Yeah, I got another question. I just came up with what country club. Do you think this reminds you of in St. Louis? Is there, is there one? Do you, I mean, you don't really know. I don't know any. that well. No. Which one is it then? I don't see. It's really hard. There are a lot of very prestigious golf clubs. There are in St. Louis. There's one right down the street. Yeah, I mean, I bet there's elements there of, of St. Louis Country Club. There's definitely elements of um, Bell Reve. Bell Reve a little bit. Um, Meadowbrook. Mm-hmm. Meadowbrook's right down there. It's I just thought of the question, 10 but minutes I, don't, away. I don't know the right answer. I don't want to offend certain people. So let's just say it's a combination of many I, of I these. don't know. I've never been to a country club. You're not allowed. No, You're not, not allowed there. Not, they don't want my kind there. <laughs> You're allowed to be in the pool for 10 minutes? Yep, that's me. <laughs> Caddy day? That's me. All right, 10 cup questions. What do you got? How do you think he does in next year's Open? Because you know, the final scene, it's like, you know, Qualifies. we're finishing in the top 10. He, he, qual- he automatically qualified for next year's Open. I think that he spends the year on playing Does a different he do tournaments. The tour? He, he, well, I'm not sure he's in the tour yet. Because he had to go back to qualifying he's gotta, school. He got to get the qualifying the Q school. Um, I think he comes back, and I think this this I think honestly it's the same shit. I think he has some type of like blow up hole and everything, you know. But he's but he's right there again. I think that he kind of goes back and forth he's like a John Daly, and maybe he doesn't get drunk before the first round this time. But still, he has some blow up holes. Learned. He's a little bit all over the place, but he. Maybe a better outcome. Yeah. No, top 10 is a pretty fucking great outcome. Top, top 10 is pretty good for your first try. Yeah. Uh, do all the relationships last? No. I don't think, I don't know if any of these relationships I don't think, last. I don't think they do either. I think, I think Molly gets sick of Roy. Yeah. Cause you can't, cause even Doreen says it, you can't fix men. They cannot be fixed. Yeah. They're, they are who they are. So they are, who they are. You can't fix them. They are who we thought they were. And, and this is more of a question for you, but do golfers get the shanks like that? Where like all I, of a sudden you wake up one day and your swing is just shit. I have gotten that before where, and this is even like playing in like, legit tournaments in high school like in high, I was wondering about like when you were playing like in high school when you're playing all the time there have been days where I'm like what and, yeah. the fuck why am I sh- like chili dip in a freaking pitching wedge doesn't make any sense my swing feels like an unfolded lawn chair yes <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's exactly my thoughts too when it was happening no I've had that before and I've had to like literally like step away and be like okay just go to the clubhouse go putt go do something go to the bathroom or whatever and like hopefully it gets better but okay. yeah I've had those moments and it sucks so it's happened to me but it's happened in hockey yeah, where all of a sudden my shot just goes. Like yeah. I can't, I can't keep it down. I can't, like it's sailing, it's, it's down, it's wide. I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, and it, like it takes a while, and eventually it just works itself out. But there's no rhyme or reason. And it's to a, it. and it's mental, and it's tough sometimes to struggle through it. But man, because you get, you have to what? not, you can't think about it. You just have right. to do it. And luckily now it doesn't matter as much, so I don't get pissed off about things uh, anymore. No, but, it doesn't. Maybe you shouldn't. Should not. Shouldn't. Overall winner. <sighs> yeah. I, so how does how do we do in the scores? It was was it Caddyshack? Caddyshack four to three. That four to three. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I mean, I would say Caddyshack simply because of probably more of an impact 
nostalgia. I, I love t- Tin Cup, but like it's the movie you think about when you think about golf in general. Right. I was going to say I think Tin Cup is a better golf movie. There's Candy a lot Shack more golf in it. It's just a better just comedy. True. And it has a much larger impact on the the pantheon of of comedic films and how many of these car- I mean how many careers that just launch just into the into the stratosphere. Well, how many lines do I mean, we still say like to this yeah, day? It's kind of part of like regular pop culture vernacular. And Absolutely. I don't think Tim Cut doesn't have that effect, but I, I you know it's a great. Golf it doesn't, movie, but it because it's not that kind of movie. But yeah, there's a lot of it's a like for for golf, like the sport of golf. Yeah. it's a much better film. But I, I agree, agree, Caddyshack. Caddyshack. Wins. Caddyshack. Well done, Caddyshack. Tim winner. Not too bad either. All right. Wrap this up. A little bit of nerd outreach. We got to do some thank yous. Lambert, you want to go first? So I don't really have thank yous. I have congratulations. I have two. Uh, one, Jordan, congratulations. She graduated from Mizzou mm-hmm. on Friday night. She is now a Tiger alumni. Congratulations. Yeah. And last night, my nephew Adam won the state, Missouri State Water Polo Tournament. Parkway West beat Kirkwood last night. So... Congratulations, Parkway West. Congratulations, Adam. Congratulations, Jordan. Yeah. Congrats, Jordan. Congrats, congrats, Adam. And congrats. Did your Andrew does your brother listen to this? Andrew listens to it and he was him and his wife and I think Katie was there too, his daughter, were all in attendance at the game, so they got to watch in person. Whereas I was watching yeah. on a phone at a wedding reception. Must have been a banger of a wedding reception. Uh, well, um congratulations, Danielle. That's and pretty cool. Danielle and Chris, congratulations. There you go. Uh I'm just gonna say one more thank you to our our editor extraordinaire over there. He's got a bunch of notes he's writing down, headphones. And he, and he's shaking you should his head. see the fucking setup here. We're going to take some pictures and post it. It's pretty impressive. It so is pretty cool. Thank you so much, sir. We appreciate it. And it's going to get better. This is our first time. We're going to get some stuff on the walls. Yeah, improve I'll, the decor I'm a little shower bit. Shower next time. We're better a, shirt. I, I showered. I actually thought yeah. about which shirt I wanted to wear. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was like, wow, we're gonna people are gonna see us. I can't look like a schlub. Yeah, yeah. like a schlub. You look, you look great. Okay, thanks. If you want to connect with us, send us any show suggestions to nerdsnewcoolpodcast at gmail.com. You can also like, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nerdsnewcoolpodcast, as well as follow us on Twitter at nerdisco2. Next episode preview. We're going to, we're sticking, we like this format where we're kind of, we're, we're working in current events and then, you know, taking our little spin on it. So we're going to do Memorial Day. So a little history about Memorial Day, where that came from. And then we're going to be comparing some, I guess, some military films. Yeah. So it'll be good. should be pretty fun. Yeah. So until then, thanks for joining us. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>